Yes, sir. There, Bob. Suns win again, playing the Washington Wizards uh, tonight, Thursday night. Win by 20 points over the Wizards. And Matthew, I didn't know this entering this game, that mm-hmm. the Phoenix Suns had lost 10 of the last 11 to Washington. Did you know that? <laughs> no, did they play them in the beginning of the season? No. <laughs> 11 times or what? <laughs> no, no, Washington no. Like, like uh, the 11 times we, we've played the Wizards yeah. over the past X amount of years, we've lost yeah. 10 of them. Like, that's... That's pretty impressive. I had no idea that we were completely owned by the Wizards. But when you think about it, yeah, there's a there's a stretch there where the Suns really, really sucked. And Bradley Bill's really, really good. And even when the Suns have been getting better, it seems like, I mean, we referenced it last time when we were doing the podcast that, you know, there, there's some games out there where the Phoenix Suns are just in shootouts against the Washington Wizards. I just didn't realize we had lost all those shootouts, yeah. man. You know, now that you mention it, I always remember Booker and uh, Bradley Bill going head to head, and it'd always be Bradley Bill winning in the end. We'd always be like, "Who's the best two guard in the league?" And then yes. Booker would lose every freaking matchup to him. So yes, it makes sense now because I remember those days, the horrid days. And now Booker's not even here, so maybe that's why we won. We're winning by twenty. But he's right behind me. Actually, I just I miss him so much. I had to have his full full blown face behind me. Yes, for those of you who are watching along live on YouTube, you can see that Matthew has a picture of Devin Booker. I believe that's by Craig A. Hamill from Twitter. Yes. Yes. Uh, so it's very close because clearly Matthew is missing D. Book. Uh, it's that time where, you know, he's, it's just around the corner. You, you see the pregame highlights of Devin Booker warming up on the court, doing a lot of lateral movements and just getting himself ready for what will most likely be a return on the 21st against the Los Angeles Lakers in preparation for that Christmas day matchup against the golden state warriors. So who knows, maybe we'll see him on Sunday, but uh, it, it is kind of, it's almost creepy to see Devin Booker that big behind you, man. Is it that creepy? I think it's very, very sexy, but can never, <laughs> sexy can never be too big, right? Uh, never, not, not once big dick book. <laughs> Big dick book indeed. So welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. I'm John, and you can follow me at Darth Void on Twitter. He's Matthew. You can follow him on Twitter. At Matthew Lissy. And you can follow the show at Suns Jam. If you're listening to this on Spotify, you can actually now do uh, reviews. So when yes. just click on those one of those five star reviews, you don't I don't it doesn't give you the capacity to write a review, but give us five stars if you're listening on Spotify. If you're not on Spotify, go to Spotify and give us five stars there as well. If you're on Apple Podcasts, a five star review is also very appreciated. And of course, if you're watching along live on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button, subscribe, rate, review, all that fun stuff. So uh, without further ado, Matthew, I know you're going to be cracking open one of those Deschutes IPAs, aren't you? Tis the I season. Do. I do got one. I had a lot of coffee today, so I got to simmer down. Ooh, a nice cold one. Nice. And I've just got this big jug of water that I'm slowly working on. So uh, cheers. Crack it open <laughs> if you got them, Suns fans and Matthew included. Let's talk about another Suns victory, man. 20 points over the Wizards. Cheers. Another victory for your Phoenix Suns, and they are now 23-5 and on this season. But I do... Matthew, I got to ask. Matthew, as you look at this game, and you see that the Phoenix Suns, you know, one, completely demolished the Wizards, but two, did so in a fashion that allowed their starters to get rest. I think that that is important. But in your point of view, how important is it for the players like Mikhail Bridges to only play 28 minutes, for Jay Crowder to play 24, for DeAndre Ayton to play 24, and for Chris Paul to play 23 minutes? How important is that? Very important. I was looking at the minutes. I'm like under 30, except for Shamit. But Shamit did come back in towards the end where he's most comfortable with the bench. And I think Monty just did that because he was in such a good rhythm tonight. So put him back in, let him finish in good rhythm. And I think he did. So that was good by him. Um, but I love seeing the bench under, or not the bench, but the starters under 30 minutes. It's something that we always talk about when you're playing these games against the lesser team, like the Wizards, you got to come out at halftime and just you know, roll them over. And that's what they did. They they came back out. They killed him. Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton just made sure 
like hey we're gonna we're gonna make sure that we're not gonna play like a lick a minute a lick a minute does that make a sense lick a lick a minute <laughs> let's see if that the hell are you talking does that about? make sense a lick no. of a Okay, I'll just stop right there. But then also, no, continue, say, continue with your point. Just no, no I want to hump. I want to jump over that. You want to hump so like what? I'm I'm stuck. John, where do I go? It's all the coffee, man. It was it's going. It was going good. No, no, it's just me. <laughs> it was going, it was going great. pretty good. Well, here, how about let's let's just cut you off with a drop. All I can say is sham. Wow. You know, as you kind of mentioned, and, and kudos to you on the last podcast where you told me to settle down. You know, you're like, I was like, dude, how valuable is Shamwell on the trade That's market? Is, happens, is he somebody we should be trading? He's really looked bad. And kind of to your point, the, the Phoenix Suns played a really solid first three quarters. So much so that when it came to the fourth quarter this evening, we didn't have to see much many of the starters. In fact, the only starters to play in that fourth quarter were the one and only Shamwell. He, he logged seven minutes and 54 seconds, whereas Mikhail, Jay, DeAndre, and Chris Paul all didn't have to play in the fourth quarter at all but to your point part of the reason that Landry Shamit was permitted to you know go out there and continue to play uh with that second team unit is because that, that's where he's going to live those are the guys that he's going to be playing with once Devin Booker's back he wasn't a good rhythm tonight uh he finished the night with a total of how many points Matthew uh 16 uh, points 16 points I 16 mean there you solid points there you go and that's you know, so many guys got over double digits in this in this game. But you look at how he played in that fourth quarter, you know, two for three from the field, but all of those coming from the three point line. So six of his 16 points came in that fourth quarter. And yeah. I really think that it was valuable for Monty to keep him out there. Let him go six for 10 from the field, including four of eight from uh, beyond the arc this evening and focus on shooting. We saw a lot less of playmaking sham wow. And I think that's what really compounded my frustration with him in the last game against the Portland Trailblazers was not only was his shooting off, but he he was trying to playmake and he was just turning the ball over a little bit too much too. Yeah, you like to see him just have the ball maybe two seconds, three seconds. That's the best sham it, right? When he gets the ball and he releases it as soon as he catches it. And usually it's a good position behind three. That's where you want him. And tonight you saw him coming back into the second, I think it was the second quarter, right? When he came back in with the second unit, he got his first three to go down, but he just seems more comfortable. Him and Cameron Johnson just seem more comfortable with the bench units. Um, mm -hmm. I, I like that, you know, even like on the inbounds pass where he did the backdoor cut, like he made himself more available. So I think when he knocks down his threes, he gets the confidence and also just the fast break lay in two in the third, like he was doing a lot more than what you really do see normally from Shamit. And if he can do that to an extensive amount of time to where he's not turning the ball over, then it works, right? And then also in the second quarter, when the bench, you know, they're they're coming alive, the bench is playing great. And then Shaman actually hits a couple threes there to kind of extend the lead when it seemed like the Wizards were kind of coming back. So those are things, those are those are like the main things that we look for in Shaman. We got to make sure that he can come in and extend the lead, keep the lead or keep the distance short and close if they were, you know, if if the Wizards were or any other team were mm -hmm. to like, you know, take over the lead or something like that. So he, he did just enough tonight. And I honestly, I got to plug my computer in. So I might need to pop out really quick. I'm really messing up tonight. Yeah, I mean, it's like Parker Hines, one of our elite jamsters, says in the chat. And this is a reminder, if you want to become an elite jamster, simply press the join button below or follow the link in the description. But he says, we have Monteisms, and then there are Lysiisms. And this is definitely a Lysiism kind of night. He's amped up on coffee. He's talking about humping and licking. And now he's got to plug in his computer. So, uh, but, but it is a valid point when it comes to Landry Shamit. Seeing him get into the rhythm that he did tonight, obviously provides promise. And again, with Devin Booker coming back right around the corner, you want him to start to get in that rhythm with those second team guys. He's had plenty of opportunity to play with the first team. And now it's time for him to really start to excel with that second team unit because he has to be one of those leading scores with the second team. You have JaVale McGee who plays great on the interior, but you need that exterior three point threat outside of Cameron Johnson who can really assist in spreading the floor, which opens up JaVale McGee. And that's something that JaVale McGee has uh, commented on is the fact that in this offense the the centers can really cook and that's kind of by design from Monty Williams so you know the next drop double O McGee 
Double O McGee. He was a killer tonight, <laughs> wasn't he, Matthew? Yeah, he he definitely was. He was back, right? He even had like yes. the the back down move, spin around, little lay in thing. He was doing the crazy stuff that he used to do, and that was only like three games ago. We went through a little spurt, kind of well, not like Shaman. I know Shaman; he's been so off and on this whole season. But McGee went through a little spurt where he wasn't the same McGee from the beginning of the season, but he came back, and he's he's a guy that's very dominant. Whenever Da's playing great, you had him and Sticks in the lineup together, which was very interesting, very different. Yes, I think it's the first time right we seen mcgee and sticks together and i like sticks playing the four with mcgee it looked kind of like big brother little brother you know like kind of get out of the way and sticks is just like running around like ah like i I gotta run away he's like running away from his own his own players and just like getting out of their way the whole time it seemed like but mcgee just seemed like he was very dominant tonight and he was and i i honestly i like (laughs) i love uh i don't know i just i love the fact that we had to go through that little sp- uh, stretch of McGee just not playing that good. And then now he's back to being normal. And mm-hmm. he just realized like, geez, dude, this, this game, I, I realized like when, when CP three and Aiden were taken over, I was like, dude, this is like unstoppable. And then when you have like a McGee coming in playing like that, it just makes you feel like kind of like, ah, oh, like it, the Suns are just too good. They're just too freaking good <laughs> when they're playing like this, when they got all these guys hitting on all cylinders. And it happens a lot this season, man. They've been playing like this all season except for a few games. Yeah, I mean, it really now, now you know, you have to kind of take a take a step back and realize like we were playing the Wizards and this is a team that defensively yeah. is not very good. But those are, you know, playing to the level of the competition, right? It's always been a struggle with the Phoenix Suns. It feels like when we play the Washington Wizards in the past, no matter how shitty they are, yeah, it's a it's a shootout somehow. And like we don't play defense because they don't play defense. And kind of to your point, I mean, JaVale McGee tonight, yeah, he had a couple duds earlier in the week, and it was simply because of foul trouble. You know, we we've talked about it once he became a member of this team, how he was gonna have some boneheaded plays. And a lot of his boneheaded plays are fouls. And they're they take him out of the game, take him out of the rhythm of the game and ultimately hurt the team, especially in that Clippers game, because I think we really needed, uh, without DA, we really needed somebody to step up, and, and he just he couldn't be that guy. Uh, but you're right. I mean, the, the way that they cook and the way that they are playing right now is almost unstoppable. And real quick, I'm sorry, Matthew, but Travis no Kelsey worries. scored a TV <laughs> or scored oh, a touchdown really? to, okay, so to end the game. So you're getting fucking right demolished <laughs> in fantasy. So sorry about oh, that, bud. At least that game's playoffs, over. Right? Uh-huh. Oh, it's the playoffs. It's the playoffs. Um, it's the playoffs. Uh, but as Coach Evan B says in the sh- in the uh, in the chat, and shout out to Coach Evan B and the He's on Fire podcast, fantastic content there. He goes, imagine Dario and McGee together. Man, that would be great. Because you know, to your point, when when it, we talk about Jalen Smith, uh, and and we look at how he kind of played and had his first minutes tonight with uh, with. JaVale McGee. Stitch Report. When we run the sticks report, he did look kind of lost on on the offensive end. Now he ended yeah. with a decent game. You know, obviously JaVale McGee dropped 17 points, uh, had those two great assists. And then you look at how um Jalen Smith played, he had six points and you know, he was 0 for 3 from deep and 1 for 7 from the field. And, you know, I really feel like his impact happened more on defense, right? So having JaVale McGee, or I'm sorry, Jalen Smith have the opportunity to develop right now is fantastic. But kind of to Coach's point, like, imagine Dario next to him. So so tell me, what did you see from, from Sticks tonight? And, what you know, how bad does it make you salivate to know that Dario one day could be playing next oh. to Devil McGee? Yeah, thanks, Co- Coach Evan. Seriously, bringing that up. It just it made me forget that Dario and McGee together is probably one of the best things that ever happened to this franchise. And it's seriously going to bring a lot of smiles to our faces. There's going to be a lot of fun plays together, a lot of sitting on basketballs in the middle of the paint, things like that, that I just I can't wait to watch. Because those two actually will facilitate the ball really well together, I think. And like they won't be in each other's way, kind of like Jalen Smith was tonight. Mm-hmm. It didn't really start out that way. It actually looked kind of crisp. It looked kind of good a little bit. And then towards the towards the end of the first quarter, or whenever they're actually together, I'm sorry, I think it was the first quarter. Uh, it escapes my memory, but they they kind of seemed like they were in each other's way. So I didn't like that. And Sticks kind of seemed like he was running away, like I brought up earlier. But there was some nice defensive plays. Like when he would mm-hmm. mess up on the offensive end, he went back to the other side and made a great defensive play, a shot deterrence. So he doesn't give up. He does have that look on his face, kind of like, um, kind of like 
let me just get through this. It's kind of like the, the face where it's just like you don't want to really go to work and you're just sitting in your cubicle. What do you do for work? You just have that look on your face like I'm just here to get this stuff done. Don't bother me. And I know I know I'm not doing a very good job right now, but I just need to get through this and learn this. And then tomorrow I'll learn more and more and more. And then eventually I'll be pretty decent at this. It just seems like he just knows that he's he's still going to struggle. And that's a difficult thing to do or to go out there and play as because if you know you're going to struggle and you're playing on a Phoenix Suns team that's a championship team, championship contender, it just it's it's kind of just a weird middle ground, right? Between just like I just don't have I know as soon as Dario or Frank comes back, I'm not going to have these minutes again. So you still don't know what you're going to be getting every night from him and what Monty's going to give you in minutes when Frank and Dario do, do come back or even just when Frank comes back because you know he's not going to get any more minutes, right? Because Frank's going to take them. Yeah, you know, these what's so great about right now is he is getting those developmental minutes that he needs. He needs to be out there and kinetically run through the sets, kinetically, you know, box out and and see where he needs to be defensively, learn where he needs to be offensively. And without a doubt, if Jalen Smith is out there with JaVale McGee, JaVale McGee occupies the paint. And it's so funny. So I was on the Fan in the Flames podcast on Bright Side of the Sun podcast network last night. And one of the points that Paul had brought up was maybe McGee needs to play the four because he's been you know slotted as the five in the few minutes that he has been playing. He hasn't been successful. And then, of course, tonight, boom, he's playing the four. And I felt like he looked even more lost than he did before because, again, he just didn't know necessarily where he needed to go. Now, and, and, and that's OK. You know, and Coda Kid brings up a good point. He says he's like, I mean, Sticks is coming off of an illness, which is a valid point as well. Like, I'm not looking for Sticks to go out there and just dominate in in a fashion where you're like, holy shit, like we've got the next mini Shaq or he should be like Amari. Like, I just want to see progression. And we know, especially especially through our experiences having DeAndre Ayton, you know, go through his second season as a member of the Phoenix Suns, there's peaks and valleys and those occur not only game to game, but they happen quarter to quarter and minute to minute. So there's some really good things that I saw tonight from Sticks, and there's obviously some areas uh, of improvement for him. You know, I mean, he had a, a great block that I thought was fantastic. Uh, he was he, he played nice isolation defense on Bradley Beal for a play. I thought it was fantastic. He kept his, you know, he kept himself square. He used his lateral quickness uh, to keep Bradley Beal in front of him, and he created shot deterrence, and that's one of the things that's not going to show up in the box score. You know, you look at JaVale McGee's box score, and yeah, you see the one for seven from the field overall, and you see that he ended with a total of six points, and he only had four rebounds, and you're like, okay, you know, not a, not a fantastic game. Okay, four for four from the line, so he was aggressive enough to where he gets to the line. But you don't see shot deterrence in there. You don't see you know how he boxed out appropriately so JaVale McGee could grab one of his rebounds. So again, it's it's those baby steps. And I, I'm really excited to see that he's uh just getting that opportunity because I know it's not gonna happen. Like you said, it's a championship level team. Like Sticks is if Sticks is getting a ton of minutes, like we're in the wrong industry, you know, like we're not headed the right way. You know what I mean? Are you on mute again, Matthew? Why was I on mute? I don't know. I, didn't even, I don't even have the sniffles or anything. All right. <laughs> you done muted yourself. Again. This is a great pod for me, man. <laughs> Matthew's just... I was so slaying. excited for the pod tonight. I've been messing up left and right. So. Slaying it. Slaying it, Matthew is. Um, well, you know, since we're in the, the mood of just doing drops, and I hope that the audio is better on these because I went through on a lot of them and I brought the audio down, so I hope it is. But here's one we haven't played in a while. So, Mikhail Bridges, uh, you know, I noticed tonight that he was being much more aggressive. And this is something that we talked about a couple pods ago about, you know, where is Mikhail relative to being an offensive threat as a member of this team? And you look at his night tonight, and again, you know, he only played 28 minutes, ended with 11 points, went 3 for 10 from the field, uh, 4 rebounds, 0 for 3 from 4, or, or, or 0 for 4 from 3. I'm sorry. I'm killing it now, too. And I really think that that's something that uh, really kind of hurt his night is he was just taking those threes. Uh, yeah. But with, with Booker out, this has really been his opportunity to be more influential on the offensive end. And with Booker in the lineup, he's been averaging 12.4 points on 9.4 field goal attempts. With Booker out, that number drops to 11.5 points on only 8.5 field goal attempts. So he's averaging a point and a field goal attempt less with Devin Booker. And, and again, in this game, I saw you know six shot attempts in the first quarter 
And maybe it was the yellow shoes because everybody was talking about how he wasn't wearing yellow shoes. It was like a big deal on Twitter tonight. He was rocking black shoes instead of yellow shoes. And I thought that maybe that would kind of take him out of uh, this offensive funk. And that's kind of what he continued to have. He continued to kind of have this offensive funk. Yeah, it wasn't the shoes. I There's just something <laughs> oh, that's... That's verified? Good. Yeah, it wasn't. Um, there's something that is just strange going on. Um, maybe the pressure of Book being out, maybe there's more pressure he's putting on himself because he knows... I mean, I went from, you know, he should be the third option with Aiden. You know, now it's Aiden's just probably like the number one, number two on offense without Booker being there. I, I just think that Mikhail could have lived up to like a little bit more expectations on offense, but maybe that was just too much for him this year. Maybe it's just like, okay, if Booker's in the lineup, then yeah, you can be that fourth guy. And that's good enough for him. That's good enough for him to get to where he wants to go on the court. Uh, mentally, it's enough to where he can just relax because a lot of his shots now, when he's going over to into the paint, you know, the fadeaways and stuff, they they don't look the same. They mm-hmm. nothing. No, the releases don't look the same. On um, the threes, of course, he's off and on these games. But even today, over four. I mean, they just the release. It's taking. It always takes long. It never looks good. Never looks sexy. So when he's shooting the three now, it just it looks less appealing because of his inside game and how he's just struggling in there. I mean, he's having a hard time really getting to where he wants to go. Um, and I just don't know if it's really the defenses, the way they're playing him. I just it, I think it's like something mental in him. I think it's because when you get to a certain point, like McKill did, where he was basically the favorite son right he did this last year this the beginning of the year he was like the favorite son we talked about him like i'll give him more touches we wanted to see more of him and then now it's just like now he has to go to the next level with booker out so maybe i just think that is just too much to ask from him which is like i don't know if we're really asking it from him but maybe he is to himself you can just see that he's just not very comfortable right now on the floor offensively and i think it's fine because there's other people that can pick up the pieces and it's not really anything that's expected and we asked the questions like cam johnson and mikhail bridges who's a better offensive player right now cam i guess yeah he is but Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be that way I don't think it should, but there's just things that Mikhail's doing on there that just looks uncomfortable. So we just have to put up with it and deal with it. Maybe when Book comes back in a couple games, he can get back to the way he used to be. Well, and again, you know, a lot of jamsters are bringing it up. You know, it's the finger. And, uh, you know, is his finger okay? Is it, is it still wrapped? I don't think it's wrapped. Um, and that might have something to do with it. And, you know, the, the thing that I was noticing with Booker initially out was the fact that he wasn't taking the shot attempts. I'm like right now is when you should be taking the shot attempts. And again, three for 10. Now it's a matter, okay, you're taking the shot attempts. Now you got to just start making a couple more. That becomes a 50%. You know, you know we're not even talking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he has 11 points. Uh, he ends with like six, 16, 17, and we're not even talking about it. But again, it's just like you said, I think he feels uncomfortable. And I really think that... Uh, P-Dogs006 says it in the chat pretty well. He says, Mikhail should keep cutting. Hell of a cutter and finisher. Cut those defenses up, Mikhail Jail. And that's kind of something that we've we've not really seen a lot of is those cuts. It's a lot of him trying to create his own offense uh, because when you have that secondary playmaker on the court in Devin Booker, it really opens up those wings to do the back cuts and find themselves open because there's so much concentration and gravity on either Chris Paul, Devin Booker, or DeAndre Ayton. That's what opens up the McHale uh, opportunities. And he just hasn't really necessarily had those opportunities with Devin Booker out, Uh, but that's what he should be doing is is continuing to cut, continuing to hustle, especially on a night like tonight. Like you're not, you're, you're, I get you're playing against Bradley Beal and that's who he was Dean up. And for the most part, it wasn't necessarily successful. Uh, But at the same time, like I just think that, you know, th- there's a lot of promise still there with him. And, and it's, it's, you know, just like with the Landry Shamit conversation we had on the last podcast, it's going to be okay for Mikhail. Everything's going to be okay. He's going through a little bit of a, uh, uh, a hiccup right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm going to butcher this name and God Chopra in the chat says it is still wrapped his pink, his pinky finger. That is, so that's definitely going to affect how he does shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think that, that there, there's, there's, everything's going to be fine, man. Everything's yeah. And honestly, remember when cam had the, what was it? The wrist injury or was it a wrist or it was it a finger too last year? I think it was a wrist. Well, yeah, he was just missing everything. So maybe it's just the same exact thing to where we just need to wait for that, the pinky finger. But, you know, I just don't really think about those things as a big deal. I don't, maybe because they don't ever talk about it. You know what I mean? And he's just like, Mm -hmm. "Eh, it's not a big deal. Who cares? It's not a big deal. We're winning by 20 points. (laughs) You know, know. this this is clearly a couple of Suns fans who are trying to navigate how to be successful because, you know, again, these are, 
there, there's so much more positive that has been occurring with this team than the negative. You know, I mean, this team is absolutely fantastic. So, uh, shout out to Suns Geek who is watching along live in the chat. He's telling everyone to Hulk smash the like button. Please do that while you're here. And congratulations to him on his 5,000 subscribers now on YouTube. And he acknowledges, yes, we have hit 2,000 subscribers as well. So thank you to all the Jamsters who've pressed subscribe. Uh, you can also hit that little notification bell. It'll let you know when we go live, which is after every Phoenix Suns game. A uh, shout out to So Serious who dropped $4.99 in the Super Chat. We appreciate that, So Serious. And he said, Book walked off the court with his shoulder back and his chin high. How awesome he must feel to see his Tim yes. win by 18 without, without him. How far they've come. Isn't that a statement, man? Think about that. Yeah, I was thinking about that when he, him, and Da and uh, and McGee were laughing on the side on the bench. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, dude, this guy is just how far he's come and what he said about a super team and all that. Everyone laughed at him. Now he's just like, winning every game. Keep your head down, man. Leads by yes. a lot of example. Amen. Keep your head down, uh, and and you know as much as the national media has wanted to trade him and send him to New York and all these things, he just. Mm -hmm. You know, kept his head down and grinded, and now the the guys have come to him, and and it's, and it's yeah. not these superstars that have come to him. You know, it is Chris Paul who's somehow prolonged his career and to play as elite as he has, but it's the Jay Crowders and the JaVale McGees. You know, that's that's what's important. You know, and I really think, and, and we talked about this during the Olympic run, how important it was for Devin Booker to go and be a member of Team USA because it's going to give him even more leadership experience. It it vindicates who he is as a scorer and also puts him around other players who are on that same level. And then because of that, you know, it's not directly because of that, but I'm sure spending time with JaVale McGee in Tokyo and winning a gold medal this, this past offseason partially influenced JaVale McGee's decision to come to Phoenix and congratulations to Monty Williams, who has officially been named the yeah, assistant yeah. coach for team USA. I mean, how far have we come man to where it was, you know, Igor Kokoshkov and before him, it was Jay Triano and before him, it was Earl Watson and Jeff Hornacek and, you know, Alvin Gentry, you know, I mean, we, we went from having Alvin Gentry who was a great coach. And then Jeff Hornacek, who just was not modern enough for the NBA to like three guys who didn't know how to coach their way out of a locker room. And now we have, a guy who, and I don't know if having uh, Monty Williams on Team USA is necessarily going to bring talent to uh, to Phoenix. I mean, you think of all those years that Greg Popovich was the head coach of Team USA, and it's not like everybody flocked to San Antonio, but it creates a reputation that really helps with the fringe players, right? Yeah, it means he knows what he's doing. And uh, I mean, to have him coach as often as he does right now for the Suns and then have to do the Olympics too. It's just like, a, it's a crazy schedule for these guys. And it does bring a lot of attention to the Suns, which is, it, it needs to happen. Even though I think like everyone can see what we're doing here, but it still brings a lot of good, positive attention to Phoenix when you have your coach on that staff. It just, it always does. Cause you just see it. Uh, you see the coaches with the players, like anytime the Olympics are going on, even with the practices, you see the, the pictures and the videos of them going one-on-one. -on -one. You see the coaches in the background. You're like, oh, you know, maybe one of these days the Suns coach would be on there. Now that there is, it's nice, man. I'm really happy to see it. Yeah, just again, it, it shows how far we've come in such a short period of time that, you know, it's it's almost unbelievable to think that we're a team that is, you know, went to the Western Conference Finals and won last year, ended up in the NBA Finals and were two games away from winning, it, winning the NBA Finals. And now we're building upon that. You know, we're not one of those teams like the Toronto Raptors who went and won a championship and, you know, where are they now kind of thing. So there's a fortification to the culture that's occurring here in Phoenix, which is just uh, very, very exciting. And again, hearing that news, congratulations to Monty Williams. I thought that was fantastic to hear today. Yep. Uh, Coda Kid, another one of our lead champsters, says, I have a question since everyone seems to have an eye on Alfred Payton when he hits the floor. What do you think of his performance? So Alfred Payton this evening, Matthew, I'm going to set you up before you tell me what you thought, got, thought of his performance. Mm -hmm. Played a total of 21 minutes tonight, two for three from the floor, five total points, four assists, and three rebounds, and two turnovers. So uh, what do you think, Alfred, there, buddy? No, I actually noted that him and um, Cameron Payne and McGee, it seemed like in the second quarter, they had like this little uh, three like this little game going on in the paint where it, is, it would either be Cameron Payne or it would be Peyton who would dish it off to McGee either for an alley-oop or an easy pass for Lane or something like that. And they just seem to kind of get along. I like him playing with Peyton to, or with 
pain. I hate their freaking names, dude. I cannot stand saying their names together. It just drives me nuts. Call them like EP or CP. No, I'll forget that too. It doesn't, it doesn't. So pain and pain when they're together on the floor, it looked really solid tonight. And the thing is like, so we'll probably talk about pain too, but Peyton, he seemed like he was kind of slowed down a little bit tonight and like taking his time with things, but him and McGee and, and pain, they just seemed like they had this kind of crisp little, little kind of, I don't know, the play together throughout the second quarter. And it just kept going and going and going. It was like, they were taking turns and stuff. So I really like that. I think you're going to get these little solid performances from him. Not too much, not too little. And I think that's what we need from him. You know, it's like every time he has the ball, you know, don't, you don't have to take it to the rim every time, you know, you can <laughs> yes. do other things on the floor. You don't have to force anything, even though he had a good couple of drives to, to the basket, which was nice, but he doesn't need to really force anything. Just be there, be a solid player, be a guy that doesn't mess up anything. And that's what he did tonight. Yeah. I mean, he's not somebody who's necessarily going to go out there and wow you with highlights. He's going to wow you with an amazing performance, but he is going to fill the stat sheet and do a bunch of little things uh, generally well. You know, I'm not anti Peyton and I don't think I ever have been. I think that he fits in perfectly as your third point guard. There's a lot worse options at third point guard than Alfred Payton. And yes, of course we're hard on him uh, as a Suns fan base because uh, we're hard on everybody appears and we're not the only fan base who's hard on every player on our roster. But, you know, again, tonight, nice, easy 21 point or 21 minutes, uh, nice, easy five points, four assists. I mean, he was focused on dishing the ball. As you mentioned, I, I noticed the same thing, him kind of, you know, it was he would attack the paint, and then the next position, Payne would attack the paint, and then McGee kind of was the beneficiary of a lot of that. And again, McGee finished with yeah. those seventeen points. A lot of those assists came off of uh, Alfred Payton passes and campaign passes, as campaign ended with eleven points and five assists. Um, one moment that I really enjoyed from Alfred Payton was his sick crossover on Davis Bertans. You know, he had him going one way and he cut the other way. And Davis Bertans was just lost out there. Uh, and he got a nice, easy layup on that. So, you know, again, Peyton is is doing what we need to do. Obviously, all of his minutes dissipate once Devin Booker comes back. We're winning by 20 points and he's not killing the team. So I am not going to crucify him for anything relative to his performance because I think he's doing exactly uh, what he should. And I, I see some people in the chat who are pro him and I see some people who are con him. And that's kind of where he lies within the Suns fan base. They just, you know, they, they don't necessarily like him. But I think when you look at the bigger constructs of this team and this roster, him coming in as a third point guard and playing as efficiently as he is. Trust me, we've had worse guys bad on our starting point guard himself included uh in the past so i don't think it's necessarily the end of the world nope correct you're right uh correct. so davis Bertan, bertans i mentioned him mm-hmm. um you know you look at who, how he played and i know that you know they, they mentioned something about him having an injury kind of in the game end up only with 11 minutes and three points uh but you, you look at how he's played thus far this year for uh the Washington Wizards, if you will. And I just, I, I still don't see it. And I remember how bad we wanted him. Like we <laughs> yeah, wanted him on yeah. the Suns bad. And like yeah, this yeah. year he's played 19 games. He's averaging 6.1 points. Uh, he's shooting 29.8% from three. So in hindsight, obviously it's, I'm glad that we didn't do it, but like, is he a top five worst contract in the NBA with his five year, 80 million deal that he signed with the Washington Wizards? Um, yeah, I would say so. And I kind of miss the days where we used to try to put together this team and add players like Bertans and Christian Wood. You know, I mean, Christian Wood's pretty good, but I mean, Bertans was one of the top of the list. He was the guy that I definitely, definitely wanted. And I wanted him to start at the four. And I thought he'd be a tremendous son of the future. Um, but yeah, I guess it is because like a lot of these contracts you look at, like Gordon Hayward was one that everyone hated. Um, the Bulls, when they signed um, freaking um, what's from the Spurs, DeRozan. Everyone yeah. hated that too. So those are different. Those are ones where it's like, hey, we can pay them a lot just to get the name here, just to get a name and a guy that can actually play. And we mediocre play at worst with DeRozan and Hayward. And that's the reason I like those contracts. But a contract mm-hmm. like that for Bertans, it's like you don't know what you're getting. You have no idea 
what this guy can do to really earn that money. And you can kind of see how, and if it's the wizards too. So if it's a team that he's playing on, that's just not playing that well, it's going to be, it's going to look worse than it is. And then of course, when it's DeRozan and Hayward, when the team starts to lift off, they have more notability, then it makes more sense and people love it. But he, he definitely, it's not, that's not good. I don't know if he, this is the player he really is right now. I would like to see more from him. I just, I can't really say right now whether it's bad or not. I think truth. it's bad because because he's a, a a role player and he's always been a role player. Like he's never been a starter, and you're essentially playing sixteen million dollars a year for a guy to come in off the bench and just play uh, fireball shooter. You know, he's just like like Jacks doing a fatality in Mortal Kombat. You know, it's like we just want him to come in and, and fire a couple fireballs and and like he sixteen million for a guy who just shoots threes. That, those guys are a dime a dozen. I mean, we got Landry Shamit, and we paid him. Yeah, we paid him ten mil a year. Uh, but that, uh, you know, and I've said this in the past. I think that that's a really good uh, contract because it's a very tradable contract, and it helps with con- with salary swaps and things of that nature. But and, and at least Landry, you'll play some defense. Like Davis Bertans again. When Alfred Payton's slow mo, Alfred Payton is crossing your ass up in the middle of the floor, and you look stupid. That was the moment I like, dude. I'm so glad we didn't get Bertans because that's all we would talk about if he was a member of the Phoenix Suns is the fact that he just doesn't play defense at all. Yeah, we we dodge a lot of bullets. Trust me, with, the, yeah, with no. those contracts and those free agents. <laughs> Big time, you know, all, all us armchair general managers trying to perfect the Suns uh, roster. You know, good thing James Jones yeah. is in charge because, you know, in James, we trust. So uh, another guy who I really like on the Washington Wizards is Aaron Holiday. And I thought it was really smart how the Suns attacked him in the first quarter and really took him out of the game because he he was pestering Chris Paul. You could tell that he definitely had some conversations with his brother Drew and says like, hey, how are you effective on Chris Paul? He's like, dude, you just play physical against him and you pick him up three-quarter court. You know what I'm saying? And that's what he was doing in that first quarter and you know, got a couple quick fouls and then Chris Paul did the patented rip through and yeah. and took him out of the game. He only he ended with 19 minutes, uh, five for ten from the field and eleven points. An assistant three rebounds and that could have been a lot more if he wasn't in foul trouble so uh what what did you think about how aaron holiday was playing chris paul and is that kind of we know that's the blueprint right why do more teams not do that to chris paul why do they not do the the, 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 the pick, pester? pick up yeah pester pick him up three-quarter court you know is it because he yeah. has the, the the ability to get them into foul trouble so easily yeah, because it doesn't make any sense. I think the full court press and stuff like that, especially against a veteran point guard, it, it doesn't work it, unless you're um unless it's like Ty Jerome. Maybe it'll work a couple years ago, but I don't believe in that. The full court, you know, just pick him up half court if you want, especially in a regular season game. Um, I know in the playoffs when when it's when it's really on the line, then it does matter. But right now, I don't think it does because Chris Paul isn't really phased during the regular season. He has his troubles sometimes during the playoffs, and he can get if he can get pestered easily. But what they're what he's trying to do is basically like Aaron holiday is like, you know, cutting the front of the line when you're going to dinner and like, you know, dinner at your mom's house. And then he's like the, he's like the boyfriend, you know, the new boyfriend. And he's like in the first in the line. And then Chris Paul goes over there and just takes his plate from like, no, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah. Get no, in the back. Not, this is not how it works. So <laughs> it's, it's kind of like that. I mean, a lot of these defenders on Chris Paul, it's, it's only a matter of time before the rip through. And I always look forward to it. And it always happens. I think it's only happened once where Chris Paul did do the rip through. And then the refs said, no, no. And it was, I think it was either a steal or an offensive foul or something like that. And Chris Paul was pissed. So that was the I one time it, it didn't work. But, but yeah, then yeah, didn't he like, go back down the court and then immediately do it again <laughs> to get the call. Yes. Like he's like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he knows what he's doing. Um, I don't think it just doesn't phase Chris Paul this, at this point in the season at all. Yeah. And again, that's just, the the veteran leadership that we talk about continually on this podcast and i was so close to making a cp3 drop tonight and i just i couldn't get the right like audio or video that i wanted for it but just know that a chris paul drop is, is coming what, what what is it tell me is, what it, star, I do? is it star wars related cp3 Ooh, maybe i should no i was going mortal kombat cp3 oh, okay. oh my god oh. it's right there that's what it needs to be oh. Genius. All right, there it is. See this. This is why we talk during the podcast to figure out our programming notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Hold it. One second, <laughs> one second. Uh, we have to. 
discuss what my next drop will be. Uh, but 12 points for CP3 with six assists tonight in only those 24 minutes. And he was six for eight from the field. I mean, he just he did exactly what he did needed to do. He knew we were playing a shitty team. The rest of the team finally stepped up. And I think that's what the key was in this game is not only did everyone else step up around him. We had a total of eight Phoenix Suns in double digits, but the bench really held their own with Alfred Payton and Cameron Payne uh, playing fantastic minutes. You know, again, not fantastic minutes, but fantastic relative. They they were eating up minutes, so CP3 didn't need to play. And these are the small victories that we need to have kind of throughout the season. You know, we were talking about this on Monday night after the Clippers game. It's like, why did Chris Paul play so many minutes in a game that clearly was going to be a throwaway? And you don't necessarily want to think too much about the minutes, but there needs to be opportunities. And I almost think it's better for him to play those minutes in in the uh, the Clippers game because it keeps him in rhythm for the next night against Portland. Whereas now we've had a couple that we had a day off. You play this game, you're going to have two more days off before you play Charlotte. So it really is a good, solid rest. It's not like, oh, you, you rested six extra minutes on a night where you have to play again tomorrow. It's like, listen, you played, you know, 66% of the minutes you normally play. Uh, on a night in between uh, over a five-day period. Yeah, I mean, rest is one thing that we never really complain about, but then we did see it a few times on the back-to-backs this season where it did kind of kick in, and it, it was something that the Suns had to worry about, and later in the game, you can kind of see them get tired. So it is something that's real. Uh, it's nice, though, the minutes, for especially for Chris Paul, as long as he can just get in there and start and know that, and especially in the in the third quarter when he comes in and takes over the game, he's like, okay, I did my best. I know what I have to do to really get the win here is just get a really good uh, offensive spurt with DeAndre Ayton, him and DeAndre Ayton just moving the ball around and just like who who wants the ball, who wants the basket. As long as he knows that he's dominant in that area, he'll be happy to go to the bench and get the rest that he needs in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and again, you know he's still coaching from that bench as well and keeping mm-hmm. the guys engaged because he doesn't want to come back in the game necessarily. So Lights, Cameron, action. I really enjoyed watching Cam again tonight, and he's really starting to put a string of solid games together. Uh, Four for six from the field, including three of five from deep, 13 points, five rebounds, and one assist for Cam Johnson. And I I just, I think that, uh, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier in the podcast where he is a better offensive player than Mikael Bridges, and he's showing it more and more, and that's okay. I mean, you can have Mikael be your defensive stalwart who will be on the all NBA team. Like he's got enough national pub now and we're already 40% of the way through the season. Like this guy's gonna not 40%, 30%. This guy's going to be on the all defensive team so that, you know, cam can be our offensive guy. And like, that's a great kind of, you know, dichotomy, if you will, if you have a, a a three who really shuts you down uh, and then, Cam Johnson comes in off the bench and plays like he did tonight. Uh, anything that you saw from Cam Johnson that you just want to, you know, just give him his flowers on this evening or give him a lick on? No, I mean, the thing is really when he's playing with the bench, he's definitely at the alpha male out there. A lot of the times it seems like around the perimeter, like he just seems like he knows, especially in the last couple of games. I had a friend text me last game. He's like, what can I get? What could I give Phoenix for Cameron Johnson? It's like out of every wow. player you're asking for Cameron Johnson. It's like, yeah, there's just something in this guy. There's an energy. There's it's not really an alpha. It's just a dominant like the way he is around the perimeter when he's grabbing the ball, he's passing the ball around. He just seems like he knows exactly what he's doing now. He had that with Cameron Payne where it's like, oh, here, you take the ball. Here, you take the ball. Cameron Payne probably should have shot. Then Cameron Johnson had to shoot from the corner of the fadeaway that he missed. But then on the other time, the other time that he gets the ball, he has that little fadeaway from the mid-range and then he draws a foul, but it was not actually an offensive foul. So he just mm-hmm. seemed like he was in such good rhythm tonight, but he's been showing that more and more lately. Um, the thing is though too, and I wanted to bring up that the forty four percent in the last five games from three, yeah, like that that's that's really all, all of it. That's where all the, a lot of the confidence comes from. Um, even the alley oop, I did he throw it off his left hand to, yeah, I think to so. McGee? It was such a weird looking alley oop. Yeah. Where it's just like things like that. Like how do you see that from where you're at? I know McGee's huge right there, right? But then from the angle, just releasing it from the angle he was at to give it to McGee on the other side of the rim. That's very, very difficult to do. So he knows what he's doing with the ball more. He's just, he's more and more comfortable, dude. It's just a matter of time. Maybe he becomes a starter, but I like him with the bench, man. I I like how he just feels so comfortable with all those guys on the court. Yeah. I mean, he'll be a starter and it'll be, but it'll be next year, the year after that, like he'll grow into the Jay Crowder role. And that's why, and, and that excites me that your friend is like, I want, you know, what do we got to do to get Cameron Johnson on our team? Like, cause again, yeah. it's the role players who are so valuable 
to a team like this and that make a team like this successful. You know, you have your stars, but you still need to have guys who you can count on to pour points in because we know what that feels like to have Devin Booker who can go out there and score, you know, when he was scoring 26 points a game, but no one else could score around him because we had no quality, consistent uh, offensive players around him. And so we've seen that. That's what happens in yeah. OKC right now. Did you see the end of that OKC game last night? Yeah. <laughs> Holy fucking shit. That dude. only happens like in high school, right? Like, yeah. I've never, just like, like Shane Gilgis Alexander yeah. hits like a 35 footer to tie the game at 110. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember who, who were they playing? Uh, it was the Pelicans. The Pelicans. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know who the guy was, but I, because I saw the, the highlight on Twitter. <laughs> of course. It's like a full quarter bank shot to win the game with like a second left right after Shea Gilgis Alexander <laughs> shot. God, I love basketball, dude. It's just ridiculous. Like you yeah. go through all that entire game and all the emotions and all the analyzation, and it comes down to two just like Hail Marys and both hit. It's just unbelievable. So. Uh, anyways, yeah. I, I'm sorry. Very, I, very, no, no, it's it was probably the play of the year so far. I mean, the craziest ending to a game this year. Yeah, and it, like sure. it's going to affect who gets the number one overall pick because it was two shitty ass teams. Watch. Oh no, Jamsters! I didn't forget eight and watch. I was saving it for last because I really enjoyed watching Da play tonight. Again, only twenty-four minutes, but he had fifteen points and ten rebounds, uh, six for eleven from the field, and was really, you know, was a little shaky at the beginning. I will say that the first quarter, uh, I had written in my notes. I'm like, hey, he missed a couple passes that were sent his way, where he was looking at the rim and not the ball handler, and ultimately those led to turnovers. Uh, but you know that strong quarter that he had in the second he had nine quarters which is tied for the second most this season that he's had in the second uh and then i went and i'm like you know what i'm gonna do a little research did you know matthew da averages 5.7 points in the first 4.7 points in the second 3.6 points in the third and 3.1 points in the fourth did you know that i had no idea that would have been funny if you're like as a matter of fact i did (laughs) (laughs) i would have thought um in the fourth quarter he probably averaged the most but that's what I that's what I was kind that's of what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. That's why I went on that little uh uh you know journey to figure out what happened. You know, I'm like, well, yeah, he's got to be the fourth. The second's got to be the worst, and it's actually second best. Uh, but yeah. he had a very so- solid second quarter again tonight, and that again excelled the team to the point where he didn't have to be utilized much in the second half, which is great. Yeah, and it was also too in the third quarter with him and Chris Paul just moving the ball together. I'd never seen DeAndre Ayton really run that quickly to uh, open lanes to be available for passes off the pick and rolls. He was like zooming around like very, very quick. And I did miss the mm-hmm. first few couple minutes of the game. So maybe I didn't miss how he was just stumbling around, losing the ball and stuff like that. Like you were talking about if that was even really it. I mean, maybe he was just like, okay, now I need to wake up because the focus and stuff, as soon as I sat down to watch the game, it was like, dude, this guy's in it. This guy knows like Chris Paul, they, they, they don't mess up anymore. They don't, they really don't. They, they have it down like where it's just, it, it just seems like it's it's so crisp, obviously, but they don't have to like talk to each other anymore. It's just like, oh, it's play is done. Plays done. Run down the court. Plays done. Run down the court. You know what I mean? Because we're not mm-hmm. we're not used to that. Last year, the beginning of this year, it was kind of just talk, 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 talk. Yeah. Every 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 second, it was just like, okay, that's enough. Like you guys got to figure this out, and they did. They figured out everything. Da Da is like seriously. He uh he's he's playing like I know no one could stop him against the Wizards, but even his like little stop, little jump hook stuff, like where he knows like hey, don't go any further, or else you're gonna cause a charge. Like he he knows where to yes. stop and where to shoot. Things like that are very, very impressive and very, very important. And he's just he's on another level right now, man. The way he's playing with Chris Paul is like it's unstoppable. They're like the best duo. When they're playing like that, they're the best duo yeah. in the NBA. Point guard. And well, center. I mean, it, it's so Steve Nash and Amari esque now. It is. You know, it's it's so instinctual that, yeah, these guys know where each other are going to be at all times. The communication is no longer verbal. It's gotten to the point where you know that D.A. can look at Chris Paul as he's coming up the court and Chris Paul give him a look and he knows what to do. And that's the value of this team because it's not just those two. It's everybody else on the team. It's We've mentioned it before. It's that organic chemistry that is it's really hard to replicate in the NBA because so many teams are always changing. Like we are one of the teams that truly kept our starting five together year over year. You don't see that very often in the NBA anymore. It's always addition here, subtraction there, multiplication there, division there. And ultimately, this is the why. 
is so you have moments like this where DeAndre Ayton, as he's looking at Chris Paul, instinctively knows how to get to the lane, get to the spot he wants, especially on a night where the defense is going to be is going to allow him to. I mean, this is Washington. They don't have any interior defense. The Suns were crushing them uh, in the paint. The, the final ended up being 58 for the Suns, 54 the Wizards in the paint. But the majority of the damage was done early for the Suns, and then they became a perimeter team as Washington tried to. Just, you know, that's how they scored later in the game with like Neto and things like that. But again, I mean, it's just, that's the advantage of this team, man. And that instinct. Yep. Ah, second time. Sorry, man. I'm off today. You know, you're, 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 no you're getting one. Terrible. Take a lap. Well, you had that little hitch. Like you're about to do a little drop, man. Well, I'm no, looking I just, at you. I oh, I, see, oh, I have like, a hitch. Well, it's the no, like a little thing. It's like, it's like CP3. <laughs> and I'm just seeing if you wanted anything else to say, but I guess I'll just do <laughs> Jam star of the game. And it's like our buddy coach Evan B says in the chat, hit that like button while you're here. You know, we got a ton of people watching, which is fantastic and it it's humbling. But hit that like button too, because it helps algorithms or something. It lets everybody know we're the best post-game podcast on Planet Orange, and that's right here with the Suns Jiggity Jiggity Jam Session Podcast. So, Matthew, who are you giving the jam star of the game to this evening? It's going to be McGee, man. That box score with 15 minutes, that's insane. Like it's him insane. and Cameron Payne and Cameron Paint and all those dudes, all the third, all the, the two point guards with the same name. They, they seriously, like they, they had a field day out there, I feel like. And McGee was just cleaning up the class, doing whatever he wanted down there, having a lot of fun. The dude needs some duct tape, though, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> why? I, I want to say he needs to duct tape that thing, dude. Like walking by the walking by the fans, like the thing's gonna like poke someone's eye out. Man. Oh my god! All right, <laughs> duct tape, get out of here with this shit. I had to put it out there. Jesus Christ! Um, yeah, it's Javale is getting a lot of love in the in the chat from the Jamsters as well, uh, and well as well he should. You know, seventeen points, sixteen minutes, eight rebounds, unbelievably fantastic. Uh, I'm going to give it to DA myself just because I thought that he really kind of set that tone. Uh, yeah, Ed Javel for everybody. Wow. I must have missed. I think he's lot. had the most jam stars. We, he really we, is. Well, it's because he's so entertaining like in the way on. he does it. You know, like when he turns to the crowd and he knocks three people out in the front row, yeah. you know, with, with that thing, you know, it's just, you can't help but notice <laughs> how amazing he is as a soda goes flying into the third row, you know? So it's just like, yeah. we always say big dick book, but I mean, it's a thing now it's a thing with the little shorts and they just you know you gotta watch out dude yeah it's just like poster but he he was fantastic but i'll just give it to both centers how about that i'll give it to again the the, the starting five and the backup five continue to be uh just a revelation and it's funny because like i'll go through because i want to sit there and fortify a statement that eddie johnson made eddie johnson said that we have the best starting and backup uh center duo in the league And when you go and you look statistically, it's really hard to quantify what's happening. And the reason for that is you have people like Nikola Jokic, who if you take his starter and his backup and you combine them, like because Jokic is so dominant, he weights it so heavy one way. Whereas with the Suns, it's just truly consistent. Like I've got to find a good way to quantify exactly how the the duo of JaVale McGee and DeAndre Ayton are consistently effective. And when I when I really sit down and I figure it out, I'll come up with a, a good metric and I'll write a good piece because it's honestly what I see. I, I just see consistency at the five, which is the exact thing that we were missing in the NBA Finals last year, man. So yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It's oh, fantastic. Sorry. Whoa, that's <laughs> now he's muted. All right, well let's talk about the next game for the Phoenix Suns. It's Sunday against the Horny Hornets. Watch out, Javale. Is Lamella Ball going to play in this game? I know. He's I don't been know. Out. I see the COVID thing. He's out. Yeah, this the COVID Friday, thing. He's Everybody out, the, out in the league, matchup. dude. There's 52 mm-hmm. players I think have been out with COVID so far this month. Man, it's fucking yeah, it's making insane it right now, dude. It sucks, dude. I want to see Lamella Ball. I couldn't. I would love to go to that game to see the Hornets play. I, I love that team. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the best offensive teams and one of the worst defensive teams. So it's definitely going to be a high scoring game. Between those, yes. Two well, and also you have Tsunami Poppy coming back to town. Yes. Ke- he's Kelly, good. Kelly Oubre been playing fantastic. I think that we both agreed once we heard that he was leaving the Golden State Warriors and going to that team. I just think that 
just the color scheme alone was swagtastic, yeah, and it's something that perfectly matched Kelly Oubre and who he is from a personality standpoint. Then you put him next to Lamelo Ball in a wide open offense that is really going to allow him. And, and here's the key for Kelly Oubre: <laughs> he's embraced being a bench player, right? Like that was yeah. something that we didn't think that he would ever embrace. He's definitely, I mean, when he was here, he, one of his frustrations was like, they didn't give me enough credit as being, you know, I, I'm more of a shot creator and this and that and the other. And, you know, now he's going there, he's coming off the bench and he's fucking lightening up. Yeah. Well, we were playing in Phoenix and for so long we, we had no talent at all. So when you get someone like Tsunami Poppy playing here, it's, it's at the increasing level of talent. It just went up a couple notches. So you're like, all right, this guy's good. You know what I mean? So I think that might've just made him think like uh, he hit a lot of big shots too for the Suns. I think of he, course. he's absolutely an excellent player, but he's not, you know, a starter. He's a role player. He could maybe be a starter, but he's just like that fourth or fifth guy, really, if that. So I like how he's owned up to it. That's how you become a better player, right? You mm-hmm. own up your position, your role, and that's what he's doing right now. And I'm, I'm dude, I love him and I can't wait to watch him against the Suns again. He'll probably hit a three yeah. to win the game <laughs> probably knowing him it's it's so uh, again i was on with fan of the flames last night and we were reviewing the next week and they go hey you know wins and losses and i said yeah. two and one i'm like i see us losing to the hornets i just that that's a team that i can see us losing to uh yep. i see us beating the the wizards and beating the lakers this upcoming week but i don't see us beating the hornets and part of it is that kelly Oubre man i mean he is somebody who uh as you mentioned embraced it. he's averaging 16.6 points coming off the bench like mm-hmm. that's as many points as he was averaging with the Phoenix Suns as a starter, you know. I mean, well, he averaged eighteen point seven, but he was sixteen point nine the year prior. So I mean, he just he as when you have that level of talent coming off the bench and somebody who is athletic as he is. Now, granted, you know his defense is still what his defense is. You know, it's not necessarily what you would call stellar. He's got a defensive rating this year of one seventeen, which is the worst in his career. But still, you have an offense with Gordon Hayward and and Lamelo Ball and. Uh, uh, Miles Bridges, who's you know been a revelation this year. So the Hornets yeah. are a team that uh, I'm excited for that game. I'm, I'm hoping that oh, everybody's yeah. healthy and has the ability to to play because that's just going to be a fun one. And I hope we win, though. Like I think we'll lose, but I hope yeah. we win. More jerseys in the crowd. Would it be Devin Booker or Lamelo Ball? I think Lamelo Ball for sure. When these players come to Phoenix, <laughs> no, no. yeah, look, I bet you it's in play. Phoenix. It doesn't matter. I it swear. does. Ma- are you get if out any of jamsters, here? If any jamsters are at the game, let me know. I'm gonna count them on the TV and see how many I can count. I'm serious, dude. Lamelo Ball. I actually, I would love one of those jerseys, dude. Lamelo Ball's a G. Don't get me wrong, but like this is Phoenix. <laughs> this isn't like a third party. Like we're in, we're well, playing in San Antonio. When these guys come to Phoenix, I'm serious, dude. There's gonna be a lot. Yeah, of it brings out all the Charlotte fans, all five yeah, Charlotte Lamello, fans, Lamello Ball fans. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah, Booker Booker's got the hold on this fan base and this the, the surrounding areas. Kids have that, his. I know that. I'm just saying for this one game. I'm saying for it's okay. gonna be Lamella Ball. All right, Jamsters, you have Lamella Ball is better than Booker. I'm just saying the jersey. No, I, I'm not saying that either. I'm saying that Booker has a hold on this market to the point where he had almost a top selling jersey last year. Lamella Ball, I think, was up there. Though, I understand. So you are right I just there. I just think it's gonna be this game though. I'm not talking about. Yeah. Uh, so, Jamsters, those those of you who are going to the game, um, please report back and let us know what the ratio of Devin Booker, whose jersey's being sold in the fucking, like, tw- the, the twenty feet away from the stands, uh, over versus Lamelo Ball, who you can only get through like fanatics, and it takes twenty weeks to get there. Uh, yeah, let me know how that works out. So, um, we let's see, let's see. Uh, Andres Herrera, nah, no way there will be more LaBelle Ball jerseys than books. Zero chance. So there's one. And so serious says Matthew's on fire tonight. He's my jam star. So I'm on uh, fire. Sure. What did I and, do? And, and Jay Pizzle will say, Jay Pizzle says, I will take that bet. Let's see. All right. Well, what do you want to bet? Well, no. So serious has it right. Says the highlight of the episode. We're not going to play a lick a minute. I want to hump over that. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Lissyisms. <laughs> you know, so. Uh, on that note, I think you know we, we can put a little bow on this podcast, and we can thank everybody for stopping by and hanging out with the Suns Jam Session podcast. Uh, you know, and, and and thank you for getting us to to two thousand subscriptions. It really means a lot. You know, we we do this as as a way to stay connected and have fun, talk about the Phoenix Suns, and hear Matthew say you know licking humps and whatnot, and you know it's. <laughs> that coffee, man. You shouldn't have had that coffee. <laughs> no, it's just me. 
Um, I forgot about this. That. This is a reminder. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening to this podcast. If it's on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review, and we'll read it ever so happily here on the podcast. Uh, if you're on Spotify, you can give us a five-star review there now. So please, please do so uh, because we want to try to build that up as well and let everybody know. It's like, hey, if you like the Phoenix Suns, um, you should you should probably listen to the Suns Jam Session podcast. Obviously, are you okay, dude? Like Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Are you gonna be all right? <laughs> Just breathe, man. Just breathe. Just breathe. <clears throat> I don't right, get here, here, here. Here's a five star review. Okay, best Suns game uh, review from Michael Pecan Scar. He says, when Chris Paul was traded from OKC to Phoenix, I had a hard time finding game recaps or media coverage for the Suns. After a couple of weeks, I found this podcast, and it's really helped me feel like a part of the fan base. Well, I can't typically watch the games as someone from, from the East Coast. It's awesome to always, or it's an awesome way to start your day listening to John and Matthew talk about the game. I think the real reason the media doesn't cover the Suns is because they know they'd have, they'd have nothing on you guys. Keep up the great work. So thank you very much for that. Uh, Great audio with Matthew just like losing his shit in the background the whole time during that. So uh, you can follow me at Darth Boyd. You can follow Matthew at Matthew. Yeah, Matthew you can follow Lucy. the show at Sun's Jam Session. Go home and lick your family, right, Matthew? <laughs> go home and love your family, yes. <laughs> go, go, go home and lick hump your families. Good Lord. Take care. See you on Sunday night. God damn, mother. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.